0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at soundtalentmedia.com.
1: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit jabberjawmedia.com for more shows like this one.
2: What's going on guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure and I wanted to take a quick minute to let you guys know about rockabilia.com. I know you guys know rockabilia. You've seen those ads with all the colorful t-shirts for all those bands. I know for me it was a big deal growing up in Alaska back in the woods where there was no internet and we'd get those magazines at the store and I would do two things. First, I would go to Rockabilia, that big full-page colorful ad, and find the coolest t-shirt I could find, the band that looked the most badass. Then I would go to the page in and I would look at BMG for the five or ten CDs for a penny and I would go through and try to find those bands, make that connection and order those records and a lot of those bands ended up changing my entire life. Now, before the internet... You could always go on and look in those magazines and see those shirts. But now it's all online, rockabilia.com. Great rates on shipping, the same great merchandise, the same amazing bands. And it's a lot easier to go check those bands out. For me, it was partially discovery and partially you know, just becoming a teenager, becoming an adult, going through and finding those bands. So one hilarious story for Rockabilia was I got my first white zombie t-shirt through Rockabilia. It was a black and white T-shirt with the band on it. All my friends started making fun of me for wearing that shirt because they were getting into punk rock and I was still into metal. Now I never got out of metal, but Rockabilia was there after the the hazing got too much, and I went and ordered my first Green Day shirt from Rockabilia, which in turn started off my entire musical career, going from playing Green Day covers back in the trailer in Alaska in the woods to the stages of the world, playing with Anatomy of a Ghost and Portugal the Man. And Rockabilia had a big part in that. I know it will for you as well. I know it still does. It's nostalgic. But at the same time, they've been keeping up with the times online, Rockabilia.com. Check them out now and have your own discovery. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to yet another week of peer pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Adobe Radio and Jabberjaw Media. My name is Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you great content week after week. And this week, we have a fantastic guest right here in Portland, Oregon. We were able to do this in person, which was fantastic. I love it when we're able to do in person interviews more than on the phone because everything seems a lot more genuine and real, and it's nice to be able to look someone in the face and uh, get that body language and everything else It really helps with the conversation and moving things along. And, and uh, it's just a good time. And, and this was a really cool interview. Uh, Mr. Andy Hurley, Andrew Hurley from fallout boy and from sect sect just released their new album, no cure for death on Southern Lord. And it is a fantastic record. Absolutely fantastic. It is heavy as I, I it's one of the heaviest things i've heard all year i mean it's it is brutal and it's it's it really showcases his drumming abilities and his love for you know vegan straight edge hardcore and as you guys probably know uh you know fans of sect and then fans of fall out boy that fall out boy came up through the hardcore scene and all those guys kind of met through that whole thing and we talk about that a little bit on the int- uh, in the interview And, uh, you know, that was always something that was fairly well known uh, that they're all into hardcore music. But, you know, they've been extremely successful with Fallout Boy. And and, uh, it's been awesome to see that band rise to as far as they have. I mean, it's absolutely insane the amount of, of success they've had. And the fact that Andy can go from playing in, you know, we talked about it in the interview, but going from playing Madison Square Garden to going and playing a bar in Portland. And having the same, you know, the same feelings, the same amount of fun, the same energy is just a really, really cool testament to his character. And, and uh, he just loves playing music. And what a fantastic dude. What an interesting guy. I mean, he's into so many things. He's he's big into the vegan straight edge movement. He's big into CrossFit. We actually talked a little bit about maybe getting him to start a, a CrossFit podcast. Um, but CrossFit's something I'm not familiar with, but he is very into it. And I know he's done a couple podcasts on that as well. And uh, what a cool dude. He's got uh, a coffee shop down here in Portland, about three blocks from my office, uh, which I didn't know. Uh, it's called Oracle and uh, it's down the South Waterfront in Portland. And uh, when I hit him up, you know, we just met up at Oracle and, and found this cool lounge next door that uh, there was no one in and just had a great chat. And uh, I feel like I learned a lot about Andrew and, and uh, his rise to success and his, you know, new venture was sect. And I'm telling you guys, you got to check out this record on Southern Lord. It is it is brutal, and uh, you know I, I got so stoked listening to it, and and I know you guys are gonna like it as well. Um, and Fall Out Boy is releasing a new record as well, and and uh, hitting some pretty massive shows for the end of the year. These Jingle Ball shows uh, with you know Taylor Swift, and, and I mean just giant artists, um, which they are as well. So I mean it's it's peers for them. And uh, so, you know, good on those guys for, for all they've done and all they're doing. Um, and so let's get some business out of the way, and then we'll get into my interview with Andy. And, and uh, you know, I'm stoked for you guys to hear it. It's, it was a fun episode to do. So we are on PeerPleasurePodcast.com. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Everywhere podcasts are available. Um, we have our Patreon, the Pleasure Seekers Club, Patreon.com slash Podcast. Head over there now. Sign up, uh, support the show. You throw a couple bucks at the show every month. You can join up for you know merch deals and all sorts of cool shit. And uh, you know, really stoked to have the people we have already. But yeah, if you don't want to, if you're not able to support the show, definitely tell a friend. Uh, if they listen to the show as well, let let them know about the Pleasure Seekers Club. If I haven't rammed it down their throat enough already. Uh, but we are also sponsored by Rockabilia.com. And rockabilia.com has been in the business forever of selling rock and roll merchandise. And they have literally everything. I mean, you can you can search any band on there. They've got licensed merchandise. They're not, you know, knockoffs from China. They are legitimate licensed merchandise. And you know, like I said in the 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 ad at the beginning of the show, you know, since I was a kid, I've been using Rockabilia. So it's it's pretty awesome to be sponsored by them. They've been doing great things for us. For the network, Jabberjaw, they've sponsored the whole network. I mean, they're really putting some stuff into us, and, and you know we love having them on board. And our newest sponsor is Stumptown Coffee Roasters right here in Portland. So the Peer Pleasure podcast is now powered by Stumptown Coffee Roasters. They're opening a couple new locations in town. And I'll have links to that up in the show notes where those new shops are if you are in Portland listening to the show. You can also order online from them, and they have delivery service. And it's an amazing company, an amazing product, and we are stoked to have Stumptown on board. So definitely check them out at StumptownCoffee.com. Let them know Peer Pleasure sent you. If you head into the shops, same thing. So without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Andrew Hurley from Fallout Boy and Sect. Andy Hurley. Hey, how's it Do you it prefer going? Andrew?
1: Uh, Either or. Okay. In my later years, my sunset years, I've <laughs> likened, I, I've liked uh, Andrew a little more.
2: Awesome. Okay. Well, Andrew Hurley, welcome hey. to the Pure Pleasure Podcast, my friend.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having Dude, me. Dude,
2: this is awesome. You're in Portland. We're both in Portland. We're in the lounge of the, what is it? The Ella? Ella. Yep. Ella a building. Beautiful building down on the South Waterfront yep. and all these towers that have gone up. Yeah. But... Uh, Dude, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cool. So what's going on with you right now? You're you're in town for another day and yep. and flying out to do a bunch of radio day. shows. And, and
1: then the radio jingle balls and all okay. that kind of Christmas radio shows. Um, just did a weekend with Sect, which was fun. Yep, Really awesome. Record just um, came out? Yep, record just came out. They have a few shows on the East Coast that I can't do because of the radio shows. I was okay. hoping to double duty, but I think it will just be too... <laughs> crazy
2: yeah i was looking at well, that schedule and i was thinking yeah. is he gonna do
1: i was hoping both? to do new york where i'd play madison square garden and then <laughs> take a taxi to a punk club <laughs> but i thought we were i assumed we were playing way earlier because it's like taylor swift and kesha and like yeah when probably one of the bigger jingle balls yeah so they have all the the bigger names and usually at those we'll play like first we're like the opening band sure because we're you know, sl- basically Slayer on those <laughs> yeah. those nights. Um, so I was hoping we'd be early enough and I could go over. But then part of me also wanted to watch Taylor Swift. Yeah. And now we don't play until nine, so I don't think I could make it anyway.
2: Okay, that'd be insane. This is. Yeah. <laughs> so, have you seen the uh, the? It's Beats One has a podcast network, I think is mm-hmm. what it is. And Lars from Metallica has a podcast mm-hmm. on there. And I haven't listened. but okay. I knew about it. He just did one with Dave Grohl. And Dave Grohl was talking about how they got offered to do to play as Mick Jagger's backing band on SNL. Damn! But they had a show in Jersey that night. They'd already been paid for or whatever. Like they could not back out of it. So they actually chartered a helicopter to fly from their show to SNL and wow. back. And they did it. Yeah, that's
1: crazy. And they did it. It's a great story.
2: You have to check it out if you <laughs> got time on some of these flights. Yeah. It's it's hilarious. But that reminded me of that, like Madison Square Garden, then straight to where 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 is Sect playing in um, New York?
1: I'm not sure. I'd look, but yeah. whatever. Okay. Small yeah. punk club. Small punk club.
2: In Brooklyn, I'm sure. Yeah. St. Vitus, maybe. St. Vitus, okay. We used to play um, the Continental, mm-hmm. I think oh, is yeah. what it was. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. It's just
1: a hallway, basically. Yeah,
2: it's a hallway with a back line. Yep. Yeah, we did any showcase, we did there. Yep. It was awful. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Man. Well, let's jump back a little bit. I want to just get some history on you at first, and for, for my listenership especially. Um, very, I have a pretty varied audience and uh varied guests you know from all different walks of of the music industry and everything else mm-hmm. um but for those not familiar with you uh you grew up in in Milwaukee yep okay Milwaukee Wisconsin. what was what was childhood like for you did you have um i know you lost your dad early yep um you know single parent home single mother how how was growing up for you was it uh, difficult I was mean, it
1: yeah it was typical suburban stranger things whatever (laughs) bikes and friends and role-playing games and getting into thrash metal early and slayer and metallica and anthrax the big four i guess uh getting into punk through that getting into hardcore through that okay Um, how did how young were you when you got into that uh my dad was
2: my dad no no how how early were how how young were you when you got into like thrash and, Um, and all that stuff like
1: I got into, well, I remember going to Tower Records or some, mm-hmm. or maybe Camelot or some like mall sure. record store back when vinyl was still in stores. Mm-hmm. And I got to get two records. I was going with my sister and my mom. Okay. And I got Kill 'em or Ride the Lightning because the cover was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> and Van Halen won. Okay. Self-titled. And that was it. That yeah. was when... Must have been around when Ride the Lightning came out. Yeah, how old are you then? Six. Wait, Ride the Lightning came out in '84. I was yeah. four.
2: Yeah, you were four in '84. So yeah. You were born '80. Yeah. Okay. So I was born '82. So.
1: '85. Let's pretend. Okay. Five years wow. old.
2: That's insane. I mean, I
1: got into music through my brother and sisters' record collection—like sure. Queen and uh, Adamant and uh, Duran Duran and stuff like that.
2: Yeah. Okay. That's wild. Five years old, listen to Red Lightning. I didn't hear Metallica till I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> it was on some kid's cassette player on the bus. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? It was the Black Album.
1: I mean, I think I got into Metallica consciously yeah. around 88. Okay. I think around Justice coming out.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: Or Garage Days or something.
2: Interesting. And then when when did you start playing drums? What what got you into um, drums?
1: I mean, that's what got me into drums. Definitely straight, Metallica straight up Slayer. Me. Okay. Um, and I was always banging on pots and pans. I didn't start playing until middle school, I think.
2: Okay. And did you start playing like in the school band or anything like yeah, that? Or did I you Yeah, I started
1: hit? playing saxophone though, because the okay. percussion section was filled up. Sure. So I was taking drum lessons and saxophone lessons and playing saxophone in school until I was able to play drums at school.
2: Okay. And then you got into drums at school and that was, that was it. Mm-hmm. Man, how long did it take you to get really proficient as far as, I mean, um, uh, well enough to play? I guess I, you don't I have don't to be know. well enough to play in a band, but... Uh,
1: I started playing in bands freshman, maybe sophomore year okay. of high school.
2: And these are heavier bands? Uh, Yeah. Right?
1: Okay. I mean, it started as this band Global Scam, which was th- this dude, Leroy, who was like a long-haired death metal head, but also really into like... Sick of it all and no effects and like, so there. It was a really, I mean, as most bands were, you know, at fourteen, fifteen, yeah. it was a really confused band in terms of genre. Okay, just all sorts of different things. Yeah. I can't even really remember what <laughs> it sounds like now, but just a mixed bag. Everyone you know, bringing their own of all sorts of stuff.
2: Yeah, playing what you can, I guess mm-hmm. at that time. Man, that's so interesting, and you you have an interesting position because as a drummer you can go between a lot of things like you're doing now, like you're going between a, a very successful, uh, you know, rock band to, I mean, sect is heavy. Mm-hmm. I listened to the record again today at work and it's just so <laughs> heavy. I mm-hmm. love it. Like it, it was, it's just so weird going back and forth. And I actually went back and forth a couple of times on Spotify between sect and fall boy. And, uh, just, just to listen to the, the style and everything oh, yeah. else, because it's really hard to to uh, decipher between the two like I don't hear a specific style of playing like it's it's not like you know that's that's Andrew you know what I mean yeah. it's totally I mean you just shapeshift it's crazy Thank and uh, that's awesome the record is fantastic the sect record and uh, that's initially where I had reached out mm. and um, I reached out to my buddy Johnny Minardi yeah I know. I mean, yeah, yeah and uh, talked about because we we had mentioned he had mentioned sect. I was down in Orange County for a podcast convention and we had lunch with Johnny and and he mentioned that you were playing in this heavy band and uh, I checked it out and and, uh, like there's like some online stuff Mm -hmm. um, recording videos and things like that with Kurt and Mm -hmm. um, yeah then he's like yeah just reach out and I reached out on the Facebook and and, uh, that was it that was awesome and and he's like yeah he's in Portland now probably probably talked to to Andy I was like
1: what? <laughs> Small world.
2: <laughs> yeah, and uh, how long have you been in Portland?
1: Uh, two years, two and a half years. Okay,
2: where were you before that? Were you still in Milwaukee, Chicago or, or Milwaukee? Yeah. Okay, so you. The other you...
1: guys moved to LA quite early, okay. and I just never. I mean, I actually love LA, mm-hmm. but I don't ever want to live there. Yeah, but during the recording of American Beauty, American Psycho, I was flying once a week, and it was, it's like four four hours or six hours there and then Mm -hmm. fours whatever whichever you get the tailwind so it's a little faster yeah but it so it'd be like six hours one way four hours the other way and it was just killing me and it was for like one day yeah this is commercial i have to i have to what's that was this
2: commercial flights yep okay so
1: i have to move (laughs) to the west coast somewhere just because i can't keep doing that it hasn't been as grueling for this record and for any of the press stuff we've done this time. Yeah. I think that was kind of a a crazy scenario because we did, we came back from hiatus and did Save Rock and Roll and went, yeah, did all the touring and then went straight into the next record mm-hmm. pretty fast because we had a record written. Yeah. Whereas this time it was a little slower process in terms of writing. We actually pushed the record back and, yeah, you know, needed I to saw get that. a better set of songs.
2: Okay, so it was to actually do different songs, not the yeah, problem with recording uh, it, or anything else. It was actually the material. It was to material. finish
1: writing. I, I we had enough songs for a record, but yeah. we cut two songs. I think maybe. I mean, I'd imagine we cut thirty songs that I've never heard, like the weird skeleton versions. Yeah. Because Joe and Patrick are writing constantly. Okay. So there's a lot of stuff I don't hear. Yeah. Um, but in terms of stuff that was album ready. Mm -hmm. I know there's two songs we cut that I actually really love, but in hindsight with what the record turned out to be, I think it's definitely the right choice. As a whole. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. So yeah, it was mainly to, there's a few songs that were, I think the songs that were coming as we needed to finish recording for the original date, Mm -hmm. the songs that were coming out were so much better that we were like, why stop now? just to put a record out at a certain date that yeah. we set. And why not just finish writing songs that are obviously better?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Put out the best thing you can. I mean, yeah. so you're flying back and forth. Jesus, that's crazy. Yeah. Once a week. Oh, I don't... I. Uh, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't imagine. I mean, I've, there's people that travel for work, but that's just... It's got to be grueling. I mean, it's
1: still pretty grueling, but...
2: Yeah, I mean, right now your way. schedule, I mean, and having time to do this other band I mean is I mean and you got all sorts of other stuff going on during the hiatus what were you up to as far as um, uh, I mean I mean everyone else was doing their I think people are putting out solo records and stuff yeah. or, well
1: I did a band with Joe the damn things and Keith I didn't know that from every from, time I die every time and I die Scottie okay and from anthrax
2: wow yeah I did not even know <laughs> that cool that's insane <laughs> um, now I'm gonna have to check that out yeah that's crazy same. okay perfect um so you're picking up drums, you know. You're you're starting bands. How did you get involved with with uh, Fall Out Boy? Was it through Pete, meeting Pete, and, um, and playing in bands, or?
1: Yeah, I, I met Pete when I was 15. Mm-hmm. I think I wasn't able to drive yet, but maybe I just had turned 16. Regardless, um, in Milwaukee, there's this place called the Rave Bar uh-huh. or the Rave. Where a lot of shows are Eagles Ballroom. That it's is all one. Yes, that but is the rave insane. bar was a bar in in that cl- club. Okay. That had hardcore shows like three times a week. One summer, uh-huh. it was just an amazing summer for hardcore music. Yeah. So I was going to shows a lot that summer. I was straight edge and vegetarian, I think. Okay. And I had met Pete, and he was like the only vegan person I I knew. Okay. And so I remember asking him like. You know what do I do? What do I eat? And he like wrote his name and number and then a bunch of stuff that I could get at grocery stores. Uh-huh. And that's how we first met. And then uh, I did a, band, a hardcore band in Milwaukee called Kill the Slave Master. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dude who played guitar for that played drums in Race Trader when they were like mm-hmm. a grindcore band. Okay, and he wanted to switch to guitar, so I came in and started playing drums for Race Trader. And then Pete would fill in for race trader okay and I, race he was Trader's like a, a luminary i guess in the chicago hardcore scene okay so we would do bands together and yeah stuff like that okay. and that's how we initially met and then i met joe because he was a big fan of kill a Slave masters so through uh-huh. the hardcore scene and then i was doing another band called project rocket that has a split with fallout boy okay before i was in fallout boy uh-huh and
2: because there was, what, two drummers before you, right? Really short? Like one was in there for like two. a year and then the other one was in there for... I think something. three. One three. on okay. a record and okay. then
1: two actual members.
2: Okay. And so that's crazy. I mean, you guys meet it and the Rave is, is a crazy place anyways. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a whole podcast episode on that as well with the, the labeled awesome. podcast or whatever <laughs> for Tooth and Nail that the guys from Emory do. They talked to, talk to a bunch of people about that club, but... Um, so, you guys, you know, meet. He's your only vegan guy you know. So you, so you, were you vegetarian your whole life?
1: Ah, uh, no. I, okay. I became a vegetarian when I was fourteen or fifteen. Okay. 14, and so with
2: Pete being a vegan, was that what prompted you? You were interested in veganism, or, or like, what drew you to that?
1: Uh, I was interested already because of bands okay. like Earth Crisis, and yeah. You know, different hardcore bands that more valued.
2: ethical yeah. the ethics of of hardcore and yeah. and the whole thing. I okay. mean I
1: think it was getting into rage against the machine when I was really young mm-hmm. and then like punk bands like Propagandi, and yeah you know all these other bands that were talking about human rights and mm-hmm. social issues. So then when I found earth crisis who kind of you know at in 1994 were you know a metal band in 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 the standards of hardcore. Sure. And they married You know, all these ethical things with straight edge and Mm -hmm. veganism with super heavy music. Yeah, that was it. I was just that was like my Star Wars for hard (laughs) hardcore where I was like, okay, this is what I want to do.
2: Locked it in. So you made that commitment right then and there to to, and and with straight edge, same thing. Same thing, getting into it Uh, through hardcore and and, uh absolutely yeah. Okay.
1: Like early rev bands today and all that. Okay. But I think it was Earth again, Earth Crisis that made it so cool where i was like i gotta do this because I, I smoked pot when i was kind of younger and yeah drank and stuff
2: sure and, and most you know, people have being that
1: my mom was raising me and she knew she was really bummed and scared and i knew it was bumming her out mm-hmm. so i think it bummed me out that i was bumming her out so
2: so you and your mom had a really close relationship and mm-hmm. and uh that's that's interesting the the, the for a young person to be that, you know, introspective and realize that they're hurting or even care that they're hurting their parents' feelings. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it was probably different being that's your only parent that's with you. Yeah. You know, it's not like, oh, you know, dad's pissed at me, but, you know, mom doesn't care. It's, yeah. this is what I have. Yeah, totally. What about your brothers and sisters? Were they involved in that whole scene as well? or, or No. As far as- uh,
1: I have five half-brothers, four half-sisters that all kind of left Wow. Way early that okay. we shared a dad, mm-hmm. and then obviously when he died, a lot of them kind of scattered to the wind. Yeah, I think a lot of them probably resented my mom, you know, yeah, for coming in, you know, all that kind yeah. of stuff, which is I get. But the younger ones were around when I was growing up, mm-hmm. but you know they were kids and teenagers, and when they went to college and kind of went off on their own life, they disappeared as well. Yeah, okay. which I get. I mean when you're a kid like it's kind of what happens in your life yeah you set off on your own sure but I I think it affected me a lot I I knew you know I knew that they kind of left I felt like abandoned a little bit by Mm -hmm. them but
2: has that affected you I think it affected me in terms of
1: how my friendships are like you know the the modern you know, your family are, are the people you choose, your friends and stuff. Sure. So that's always been really important to me. Okay. I mean, I live, I think it's the reason I live at a house with a bunch of my friends.
2: Okay. That's what I think Matt Mowry was mentioning. that is it the guys from, uh, misery signals. signals. Yep. Okay. Yeah. He had mentioned that to me. So you keep, you know, you keep a, not an entourage, but you keep a, a group of close friends with you all the yeah. time. And, and, uh, are you married? Nope. Okay. So, no kids and no, anything I like had. that. So, so that, that definitely comes into play here, too. I mean, you've been, in, you've been in this band a long time. Yeah. And with the same guys. Mm-hmm. Go on hiatus, come back, same guys. It's yeah. not, and so it's kind of the same thing. You got these lifelong friendships. Yeah. You know, do you feel like you have to, you seem like someone with a lot of conviction as far as, you know, straight edge for one, for as long as you have been, the vegan lifestyle once you get into it i'm sure it's fairly easy once you know what you're doing and everything else but it takes conviction to stick to that especially in your position i mean you're in a position where you have access to a lot of things you could you know uh being you know shuttled around and all this i mean having access to food could be difficult as far as or hey we're going to dinner here tonight you know and you have nothing really you can do to have that conviction to stay that way and 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 hold your ethics is is super admirable But at the same time, do you you feel that it's difficult to um, maintain relationships or, or, um, I guess what I'm saying is, you know what you're looking for when you're looking for friends and things like that. Do you ever change who you are or, or waver on who you are at all to, or find yourself doing that to, to try and hold on to friends? Does that make sense where where you know you want to have these deep friendships and things like that Mm -hmm. to where you try a lot harder to make it work versus well see you later i think i've
1: just been lucky enough to i mean my core group of friends have been my Mm -hmm. friends since you know the late 90s yeah it's the same group and it's a pretty big group Mm -hmm. you know pretty extended family of friends so and then we've kind of that group has kind of run into other groups of friends that have kind of become enveloped in, you know, the bigger group. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think it's ever really been an issue. And, and the, the the thing that's always kind of brought us together has been hardcore or punk and whether it be like, you know, all the misery signals dudes were at one point all straight edge. Mm -hmm. Some of them still are. Um, and then a lot of the new f- newer friends we've gotten have been vegan straight edge or yeah. vegan or straight edge, so I think it's never really been an issue. And I think okay. at this point I have such a wide and diverse group of friendships that I don't feel the need to. I- I've been you know I've been vegan straight edge for twenty years. Yeah, uh, and I've you know been in the same band for <laughs> yeah. too long and. You know, I'm 37. I just don't think I need to make new friendships where I'd need to change anything about sure, myself. Sure, or try. Yeah. You know I mean, really, if it yeah. happens, it happens. It, it, it happens or it doesn't.
2: It's awesome you have that foundation too, because the other thing that comes to mind from watching, you know, my guys with Portugal, like all of a sudden everyone's your friend. In that mm-hmm. position, and in, in, in the position you are, you're in a position where you have a lot of people telling you yes. That maybe don't actually think yes, but are telling you yes Mm -hmm. to where you are thrust into this situation where you need to be able to decipher between these people that are, you know, out to help themselves out to, you know, to where you have this foundation now of friends that, you know, who you can trust, who are in the same boat as you actually, some of them are in the same boat as you to where they're going through this as well. How was how was that transition for you when you started to notice that kind of or did do you even notice that at this uh, point? I mean, you've got probably you're with Crush mm-hmm. music. Um and you've been with them for probably a long time. Oh, a long I time, mean, yeah. you've got people around you that you trust in the business end, but are there a lot of people on the other side that maybe you aren't in your close knit group that you've seen trying to do that kind yeah, of thing? I, I
1: yeah. Th- I've probably seen it. I think I see it less than maybe Pete does, who's more of the on the business side of things. Yeah. I'm kind of more behind the scenes. Sure. I'm not really involved in a lot of that side of it where Mm -hmm. I I think I'd see a lot of that. I mean, in terms of people coming around, I've definitely seen people try to latch on Yeah, and I, you know, I can see that from a mile away as most people could. Mm -hmm. And you know, it does help having people. I've been my friends since well before that. Yeah. And it definitely helps having crush who's, been with us since way before we were big and yeah. they believed in us and let us do the thing that made us us. Mm-hmm. So I think they're we trust them to help navigate those things yeah. correctly. Okay. But, you know, I think I think Pete's so single-minded and focused in mm-hmm. what he his vision is for the band and, and what it means and and what the DNA of it is that I don't think it matters what other people think or say. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been crazy that we've been able to be a band and stay relevant this long yeah, while evolving musically and, and, and changing and doing different things and pushing our our boundaries and stuff. And I think he's a big part of that.
2: Yeah. That vision. And, and there's Just always being a visionary. So yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, everyone in the band is, and everyone adds to it. Patrick mm-hmm. is, you know, the primary songwriter and but i think pete's kind of the guy who is is leading us down the path
2: okay what's going on guys this is dewey from peer pleasure and i want to tell you about our newest sponsor distro kid distro kid distributes your music across all online platforms They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the Internet, Uh, You want to get those people paid when you put that music online, and splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits, and all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. Slash PPP for thirty percent off. Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lambgoat's Van Flip podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene,
1: big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well.
2: So come check out Lambgoat's Van Flip podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce, and I'm Nolan, and this is the Corner of Gray Street podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy Um, So there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me. And having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. That makes sense. He writes most of the lyrics and yeah. things like that too. Okay. And I mean, it's such an interesting, uh, an interesting spot to be in. You know, And, and I, I talked to, to um, who would I talk about this with? Uh, Anthony Green from Circa. Because he's kind of got this celeb uh, aura around him to where no one cares about anyone else in the band. Yeah. And I was asking him what it's like when someone, you know, everyone that you meet at shows and everything like that is meeting an idea. They're not meeting you. They're meeting an idea of who they think you are and mm-hmm. if that messes with your head. Do you do you find that at all? You, I mean, you meet a lot of people, and you and I just literally just met, but you meet a lot of people at, in the position you're in that are there to see you do what you do. Not necessarily, you know. Oh, hey, Andy. It's hey, yeah. Andy from Fallout Boy. Hey, yeah. Andy from whatever. Does that mess with you at all? As far as uh, those interactions being less genuine than than you would if you were just you know just worked at the coffee shop and,
1: and no, uh, not, um, yeah. I mean, I uh, that's hard to answer. I I don't think it can't. I don't think there's a way you could be going through this and not be affected by it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I was, a f- am a fan of music. Yeah. And you know, I remember, I know that the people with those unrealistic ideas and where you're just an idea and you're not a real yeah. human being, I know they're younger kids and we're idealized versions of something that means a lot to them. And mm-hmm. that's super special. And, I think you have to remember that going into any, um, you know, conversations with people who put that on you, that it's not done for, you know, shitty reasons. It's because you represent something that maybe helped them get through something or, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And that's really cool. And I think, you know, I think, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's tough because I think, I feel like, we're human enough to people we're still caricatures Mm -hmm. but we're you know maybe we've been lucky as a man have fans that have understood that we're people yeah i feel like more than others or something they they embrace that side of us but i'm sure like i said we're still caricatures of these people they think we are or whatever yeah um and it can be weird but i don't know i just don't there's such a weird, um, what's the word? I can't think of a simple word right now. I hate when this happens. <laughs> <laughs> There's such a a break between that, like I just can't comprehend it really. Yeah, it's hard to com- fully comprehend. Sure, I understand it intellectually, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I when I talk to anyone, I'm I don't feel like this famous celebrity i just feel like a human being talking to someone sure i approach every conversation like that and
2: you're you're one of the most down-to-earth people i've ever talked to as far i mean (laughs) i just love how you are who you say you are you know what i mean like you you this whole conversation so far i mean just very straightforward and thoughtful you you know it's it's, it's it's refreshing you know um
1: well i think like you said with anthony green pete's That guy in our band, Peter Anthony Green, yeah. And so it's kind of nice to have, and he's really down to earth, and he's an amazing dude. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of always had this, you know, aura to him of being an extremely special like person who has some kind of magic. Yeah. You know, Um, but he's you know he's a rad dude. But it's cool to have someone. I'm a pretty shy person, so it's kind of nice. To be in this thing that may be up here, but I'm still feeling like I'm here, yeah, because I don't have I don't have the eye of Sauron constantly watching what I do,
2: yeah, paparazzi and yeah. whatnot. <laughs> I remember seeing pictures of, uh, of my friend Katie. I think was in a in a. Pete and her were going somewhere in a truck or something, and they took pictures of it and said, "Oh, who's Pete dating now?" Yeah, or whatever.
1: It's crazy. Nope. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I saw it in the and magazine. That's the thing, like, like what? Y- that can be a hard world because anything that happens can be scrutinized. Yeah. And a story attached to it that has no basis in reality. Yeah. So and it's has spin it's, it any way they yeah, want.
2: But. And you don't have to. You stay out of that. I enough mean, it to happens where,
1: once in a while, but sure. For the most part, I get to avoid that.
2: Yeah, and you can just—I mean, you're you're to the point where you can, especially in town here, I'm sure, go where you want, do what you want. You're not hassled or anything. I mean, I'm sure yeah. every once in a while, someone you know will recognize you and say, "Oh, hey, can I get you know an autograph yeah, or whatever." But well you guys, came about in a really interesting time to where, and there's always been this, it seems like, to where hardcore guys are super maybe secretively into pop punk and into that kind of music. And it was always cool to intermingle like mm-hmm. newfound glory and you guys, like they would put out like some hardcore stuff mm-hmm. and then everyone knows that the fall boy guys were into hardcore music and hardcore bands. And that was a really interesting time. I mean, I think that like you're saying that having these relationships that have gone on so long, having those convictions and everything else, having those ethics from hardcore and putting it into this music that a lot of, you know, uh, I'm sure your peers maybe didn't come from the same area. maybe they were always in that kind of band, the poppy bands, you know looking to you know blow up and and get huge. I mean, um, so I think everything just kind of happened right yeah. for you guys. I mean I remember back when I was still playing music, like hearing the fall, like right I think it was when uh, uh, the corktree record came out. Mm-hmm. We had we were on tour with heavy fucking bands, yeah. and they'd have be blasting that record that's in their awesome. van, singing at the top of their lungs. And I was like, "This is crazy! Like, that's you know, awesome. you don't get in their van and listen to, you know, and you've got tons of hardcore music playing all night long. But in the van, it's comedy, yeah, and Fall Out totally. Boy. I mean, I think that's you know? how
1: it is in whatever genre you're, you're doing. Yeah. You're not going to be listening primarily to that because. Mm-hmm playing that every night you're touring with other bands like that every night yeah um because i you know in the early days we were probably listening to a lot of pop punk and then as it went we were listening to less and less yeah but i think for us you know because of newfound and chad coming from hardcore yeah, and yeah, some yeah. of the other dudes um and where hardcore was kind of going at that time because the, the reason for us was we didn't want to do a pop punk band to get big we just yeah. wanted to do a pop-punk band to have fun because hardcore was getting so obsessed with, you know, fashion sense mm-hmm. and kind of And, like, the reasons we were all in it, you know, doing political hardcore bands, political punk bands. Yeah. I think it was just getting... We were getting burnt out on it, so we just wanted to do something fun, and it kind of mm-hmm. just worked. Okay. The right group of people, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it is wild how... I remember playing eagles ballroom once and i can't remember who it was i'm bummed because it's a band it's like a like maybe a metalcore band that i really like yeah that was playing in the basement and they were like dude you're our favorite band or something and it was just so wild like really
2: yeah (laughs) that's cool (laughs) it's such a cool little it was a cool little time i don't think it's the same way now But it was a cool time before when when hardcore and pop punk were blending, or people from hardcore bands were starting side projects that then got huge, you know, because it appealed to more people. Yeah, and I think that's the the long and short of it is it just appealed to the mass audience. Yeah, I mean, if you look out, you're playing at a a stadium. I mean, you look. I'm sure you can't see much unless they turn the house lights on, but your crowd is probably extremely diverse. You know, multi generational now. It is, you know, uh, a lot of people bringing their their kids or their little brother and sister. This tour
1: especially, I I would see in the front row a lot of like moms or dads that I know were fans. uh Like either they're people I've seen a lot of shows, yeah, or I can just tell they were old school fans with their kids who are new fans, and it's it's really cool. It's really, I don't know, it's really special, and it it really touched me a lot of nights mm-hmm. where I'd see that and just be like music is awesome. Yeah, it's so cool what it does and how it brings people together and stuff.
2: Sure. It transcends language, everything Like could say. And I love how passionate you are about it. I mean, just hearing you, you talk about it, just that it ties into that genuine thing. I mean, Thank you don't you. see that very often. People will say music's everything to them, but you can tell it's not, you know, they're just saying it. But, um, You know, just from chatting with you, I mean, I can easily believe that and see that in your face, you know, that, you know, you appreciate what you have, you know, you don't take it for granted. And, and, you know, you see some of these videos, like all the production and everything else, you know, the other big thing I was curious about is, is when you're doing a production like that, that much production and you're writing a record, do you guys write towards that production? Or, I mean, this like, um. That song, "Century," mm-hmm. that sounds like it was written for a stadium. Is that go into the writing? Whereas before, you're in a jam room writing a record, songs yeah. you want to hear. How much of what it's going to be goes into writing as far um, as the future?
1: I don't know. That that's more of a question for Patrick, I, guess you're and right, him, yeah, I, think. I think. But I have a feeling both it doesn't. It doesn't go into it at all Mm -hmm. where, you know, they're Patrick or Joe or Pete with lyrics are just writing melodies that sound good or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever the case may be, but also that it totally goes into it. Like now that we play more of these shows and and understand, you know, what gets good reactions and what doesn't, Mm -hmm. it's hard to say. I mean, I think everything we've done obviously informs everything we do and Mm -hmm. i think we always try to push the boundaries so we're not trying to write the same song yeah so i think a big thing you know that we go into writing a new record with is how can we do something pretty different you know like not do the same thing we just did yeah so i feel like that there's got to be an Essence to that, that's like not caring about where you're going to be playing the songs, but at the same time wanting to write, you know, a catchy, melodic song that sticks in your head.
2: Sure. That's what you guys are famous for. <laughs> and then I'm sure once the song's written, regardless, you go out there, you play it in that kind of environment, it turns into mm-hmm. that. You know? Yeah. It becomes of, that, I, th- I guess, as I'm thinking about it, think. what I'm saying. And, that,
1: and that's the thing. When you're writing, you never really know what's going to hit and what Yeah. won't hit. I think Uma Thurman... I remember hearing that and being like, this is fucking weird. Like, especially for us, this is so wild yeah. and crazy. And I don't know if it, if anyone would care. It's, it's almost too weird. And then it was one of our bigger songs. Yeah.
2: That's insane. I mean, and then, so and you being a physical guy, you're in a CrossFit mm-hmm. and, 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 CrossFit it has interested me for a while. It's kind of like swept the country and maybe the world. Yeah. Um, but I've watched some of the competitions and things like that. Or they are they regionals or they like a. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's the
1: there's the open, and the top twenty go to regionals, mm-hmm. and the top five from each region go to the games.
2: Okay, so this ties into veganism a little bit. Yeah. I know how you got into it what keeps you there are you are you more of the i mean and you may be a blend but are you more of the animal rights side the the um, you know the world impact side or the health side uh, definitely it, it more ethical side ethical side okay so you don't i would be
1: vegan if it killed me i feel like okay i mean the health side is great and especially getting into crossfit more yeah and getting older uh, you know is a huge part of it. Yeah. Like the health side is really important, but the reason I got into it and the reason I still am into it and still care about it is, you know, animal rights and, mm-hmm. and the, how it affects
2: the planet. The planet. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's what I was getting at with, with, um, with CrossFit and, and being so health conscious, um, you know, being physically fit, you're in a, a physically demanding profession, drumming, mm-hmm. um, with drumming going between Fall Out boy insect Do you get the same thrill and uh, exhaustion and and that feeling of clarity like at the end of a show from both? Oh, I guess it it doesn't matter where you're playing. You could be playing in this little room here or at the Moda Center. Do You feel the same. You get the same kick from it, and and, or is it a very different experience? I mean,
1: I get the same kick, but they're very vastly different. Yeah, specific things. Sure, I still. I still love playing with Fall Out Boy and playing with those guys. And mm-hmm. especially this last tour has been our biggest production we've ever had. And it was just awesome and super fun and yeah, kind of surreal. I, I, that's a cool thing. There's still every day, there's still surreal things that happen, mm-hmm. you know, with, with Fall Out Boy that blow my mind. So, you know, and, and specific shows with, you know, crowds that are just awesome and mm-hmm. super loud, and it, it's still super special and magical. But Sect is a different thing where it's just smaller club, obviously way less yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. But you know, maybe a little more moshing and mm-hmm. people. You know, the energy is right in your face, and yeah, it, it's definitely this. Ultimately, the same feeling of of uh, you know, being. Stoked on on playing music, but different yeah. things going into it. Sure, I think physically, sect is way more demanding for a twenty-minute set <laughs> yeah. than for an hour and a half set. Yeah, that I could you know potentially do three hours and I'd be fine, yeah. just as fine. Man. Because I'm I'm also playing every night for the last fifteen whatever years. I'm yeah I'm used to it, conditioned sect shows you know we do a weekend and the first show will be brutal Uh uh-huh and i'll be so tight um and it's you know pretty fast yeah and so the second show i get a little looser and by the third show i'm i'm pretty warmed up to it and and sadly it's that's usually all we get yeah (laughs) which sucks because i would love to do a whole tour and see where i'm at at the end of it yeah um but yeah so it's different it's it's a lot harder
2: is there plans for SEC to do a full tour I mean are you going to have time to do that Uh, I mean this next record what Mania is coming out in January January, yeah. what's the tour cycle on that two years
1: it's gonna well I think that all depends on you know how it goes really Uh, we have plans you know for the next year or whatever which is you know normal yeah because I mean
2: now with with people aren't buying physical copies of things anymore the whole industry's changed as far as what you have to do and then you know, everyone's got their camera phones, so every song's gonna be up on YouTube and yep. and things like that. I mean, does that shorten or lengthen the tour cycle? I mean, is uh, it is it really affect I, it? I how feel much?
1: like tour tour cycle record cycles have been similar yeah. to what they've always been.
0: Okay. Okay. I
1: and, mean, and maybe we're just lucky and it's gone well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But you're able to I mean, you know what you're getting into with each yeah. record pretty much. I mean, things will happen along the way, but you know what to expect and, and you may not get to do a full tour with Sect in the next year yeah. or so, so. Well,
1: we have a little break in May, I think. Okay. That I'm hoping to do more stuff with. I mean, this last year, we haven't been able to mm-hmm. tour regardless because Scott is married and his mm-hmm. wife works full time. Okay. And he's got two kids. Yeah. So he's kind of the stay-at-home dad okay. during the week. Um, and she's off during weekends, so that's why we can only really do weekends at the moment. Yeah. Um, next year, hopefully, there will be a little more time and maybe in May we can do a little longer.
2: That'd be amazing. And but
1: I, I think definitely next record SEC does, will kind of wait mm-hmm. to have more of a break. Though I think after this next Fall Boy record, I'm I'm sure we'll take more of a break. Yeah. And now so that everyone has kids and just, it's a different world for us.
2: Sure, sure. I have three kids myself. <laughs> I yeah. I, just, I don't want to go anywhere <laughs> after, <laughs> yeah. you know, at this one. Like, I love it when I can do these interviews right after work or whatever because it's, it's perfect you know then I go home I'm done and 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 uh, um, I definitely appreciate you you doing it this time of day I know you're kind of in flux as you were saying your schedule but so with you were kind of you're kind of living both worlds on the recording side and the touring side I mean you're doing literally arena to bar yeah and you're doing I don't know where you guys recorded Mania, but you went from recording Mania, which I'm sure was not at a studio like Kurt's. No, oh, yeah. I mean, positive it's not, yeah. but going between recording the, the sect record with Kurt Ballou at God City mm-hmm. and going between, you know, recording Mania. Where, where did you guys record Mania? At? Uh, All over. All over the place. Um, just, okay.
1: I recorded at like four or five different studios. Oh my God. Because we do batches of songs.
2: Okay. With different producers and things like that. and depending
1: on what the song calls for. Okay. Because usually, I mean, that's what's crazy. Like, there's that difference too. There's a difference between, like, Fall Out Boy is a pretty modern production Yeah. where the other dudes record their stuff at home. Okay. There's, like, full drum programming and stuff, and then I'll come in and replace or add to that and, you know, either be cut up and kind of tweaked to sound more like programming, okay. program drums or uh-huh. something. Mania is interesting because Save Rock and Roll and American Beauty, I played on, but they're definitely tweaked and there's definitely you know, drum programming that's happening mm-hmm. alongside or yeah. over it or whatever. Mania is probably th- the most I've actually recorded in a while, which is cool.
2: Excellent. Okay.
1: But you know, it is a different thing. Like the way modern recording happens, is pretty quick. Yeah. Kurt's pretty old school, where yeah, you're doing take upon take and making sure you nail everything because that's it. Yeah. And it, it's a you know a metal record, so you're not. Well, I guess modern metal records do a lot of drum uh, triggering. True, and, yeah. and, and stuff anyway, but yeah. for for that record, we wanted it to be really raw. Okay. In in what we played, so we did spend the time. And yeah. so it's pretty wild doing that too, like the difference between those two, like going in and doing one or two takes for Fall Boy and, yeah. and they're going to like pitch shift or, or do things to make it sound kind of crazy anyway.
2: Yeah, and add all these effects to it or sample, yeah. sample, whatever for yep. taking your uh, straight tracks. And uh, that's one thing that blew my mind with was the drum sampling thing like that. Like, I don't like the sound of your kick, so we're going to put this oh, totally. open sound over it's the weird. top of it. It's so fucking weird. But with with sect, dude, you guys accomplished that thing is a ferocious record and and Kurt's great. I've had oh, him on the show it's, it's and the uh, he's the best. Everyone has the best. It's, thing it's to It's honestly about
1: him. the best experience I've ever had in a studio. He's first off, I've wanted to record with him since I was a kid. Yeah, Converge has been one of my favorite hardcore bands. They are probably my favorite hardcore band, or if not my personal favorite, I would say they're the best hardcore band. Mm-hmm. I think. Earth Crisis and Cursed. Cursed is actually my favorite hardcore band, which is cool to be in a band with yeah, Chris. Yeah, exactly. But um, <laughs> like Converge is just, uh, they just continually reinvent themselves. They continually yeah. sound better every record. They're the best players in, mu- in hardcore music. Yeah. Like Nate is unbelievable, great voice, great bass player. Kurt is obviously an amazing guitarist, the best producer in, in heavy music. And Ben Culler is probably my favorite drummer now.
2: He's insane.
1: And it's, (laughs) and obviously Jake is great and you know, amazing lyricist and artist. And they're just amazing. So I've always wanted to record with him. Mm -hmm. It's always been like probably my number one bucket list thing in terms of music. So that was awesome. And he's just brilliant. Like he hears exactly what needs to be there Mm -hmm. like you know first take he'd be like okay do this and this and and you know when i play when i record i'm list i know what i need to do better Mm -hmm. in my takes and he nailed it every time and had like ideas like why don't you add a you know a hi-hat keeping time here for this part because it sounds empty and i did and it it like made the part infinitely better even if it's super subtly yeah and he's just so and obviously his guitar tones and i mean just off the floor how dialed in the drums were we could have put out the rough mixes and they would be amazing yeah and then when he mixes it it's even better like he's just so he's great
2: he's yeah he's a he's a brilliant human being yes and just talking to him i mean you can just tell i mean his passion for things and, and and his knowledge and but he's very not by the book's the wrong word he's very matter of fact like oh, he's totally. very like well that's stupid just do it this way you know oh, like totally, and, yeah. and that's one thing i got from right away I was like we were talking about recording through a hot dog or something like that <laughs> yeah. and then uh well, <laughs> i forget what else we were talking about but they've kept everything in house with converge the <laughs> um, artwork everything so everything's oh, yeah. I think they're self-managed, even like. It, I believe it. And now he's making guitar pedals and selling uh, them with the merch and table. guitars. I mean,
1: yeah, and instruments. He, I played a GCI snare on the Sucked record. Really, yep.
2: man. That I
1: mean, he's very pragmatic, and yeah. He, well, he's an engineer. Yeah, he engineered yeah, yeah. That was something his... that kind of paid for the studio and stuff. I think he's just such a brilliant guy and yeah. so nice and
2: yeah. cool. And then you signed to. Signed to Epitaph or whatever and get a recording advance or whatever, and oh, well, we'll record ourselves. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> There's some more gear, you know. Totally. It's genius. It but is. It's I remember
1: so- recording the Sect Record, and in, in the bathroom mm-hmm. right off the studio was the whiteboard of the Converge record. Uh huh. Just like a million songs. Or with, for The Dusk and like Us, the one the, they just yeah, did. Yeah, all the different parts. Yeah. I mean, there were way more songs that are on the record, so I, I always wonder what happened to those songs. Yeah. I mean, being in a band where we have those songs and. Nothing happens. Most of yeah. them just get locked away.
2: Uh, sure, uh, you know. But I always want to hear those songs. Yeah, But oh, man, that's insane. That that the position you're in, being between these two very different worlds. I mean, is it just refreshing, or is it a Yeah, okay. I think
1: it it definitely keeps it all fun and keeps it interesting. Yeah, that I can kind of go back and forth. And I mean, it, and I love not that I'm bored ever with fall, but I love it. I love Mm -hmm. those dudes. We're best friends. We get along better now than we ever have. Um, you know, now that we're adults and we, we took a hiatus, kind of figure out our shit and learn how to get along better and write music better together. Um, and obviously it's really fun Mm -hmm. doing shows with crazy productions. It's, it's like, it's entertaining for me as much as it is, um, you know, hopefully for the people at the show, because, Mm -hmm. You know, we had a B and a C stage that we travel under the, the this catwalk. There's like a little cart that takes us, and it's just so what? it's like so cool. You know, <laughs> it's like a play or something that I'm a That's part of. That's amazing. So it's not that I ever get bored with it, but it is cool to be able to do this other thing that you know scratches this other itch of heavy music. Yeah, super. You know, political kind of in your face. Yeah and it's all, you know a vegan strategy ban and sure all these things that are also really important yeah and because i i think i think Fall Boy is really political in its own way yeah and and it might be you know a little more basic compared to sector race trader obviously but it's such an important thing yeah because of you know a lot of our fans are younger going mm-hmm. through a lot of shit that we all went through and it's so important to that they have a place and and hopefully that maybe being in a fall boy can get them into other things yeah you know wh- whether it's my personal influence of being in a crossfit or if you can straight edge or yeah. you know just so many different routes you know beyond it's important to leave something bigger than the stupid music we make so for the last fall Out boy tour we had uh the champion we had champions every night that did different things for charity. And so Mm -hmm. we pick a kid each night, meet with them. And then at the end of tour, uh, part of the ticket sales went into a a fund for those charities Mm -hmm. that we give a certain percentage to each charity. And I think that's more important to me than playing shows. Like, that hopefully that gets kids into doing, even if it's just a selfish reason so they can meet us, maybe that makes them think more about yeah. what can they do to make this a better world. Sure. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a crazy time. So it, we need all the help we can get from insane. The kids that are going to be the ones to inherit it all, so.
2: Yeah. That's a big thing to realize that the the reach that you have and a huge gift to have that kind of reach. I mean, you guys single-handedly could ch- do a huge change in the world, you know? Yeah. Having that platform yeah. is insane. I mean, I, that responsibility behind it too, and and uh, you know the way you guys are are going about it, and you know the image of Fall Out Boy has always been great, you know, and um, th- it's always been like a positive, positive force, which has been awesome, awesome, you know, and that's crazy what you're saying about going under the stage and and yeah. so you see so you literally so like after a certain you know three or four songs you go over to this other stage, yeah, you literally just hop on How about this halfway thing halfway through the set. And you hop on and go, you,
1: go down the back and the stage. has This is this all whole something like, you
2: build in the arena. Yeah, every day. Every day.
1: There's like this hole underneath the main stage, and then there's a catwalk, and there's like a a cart that goes runs on tracks. Uh huh. Like a like a mining cart. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's. This just is flat, some
2: Def Leppard yeah, shit, kind man. Kind of. Yeah. This, totally. <laughs> and this is to Metallica shit. And
1: I, go in and it's covered and then the thing comes up and lifts me in the air oh my god
2: so going from five years old buying that first Metallica yeah, record to then to having that. a production the size of metallica a band the size of metallica but i would i would assume pretty close i mean when you put your head on your pillow at night yeah. i know you can i know you can go to sleep easy because you're doing everything with integrity <laughs> But is there part of that that just sinks in like every night? Head hits the pillow. Holy shit! Yeah, totally. What did I do with my day yesterday? What did you do with your day yesterday? You there's know.
1: definitely times where it's it's just it's still surreal. It's too big. It's too surreal. Yeah. Where it's just like holy shit. This is yeah. weird. This is crazy.
2: And you're I mean what you're doing playing the drums. I mean of course there's other parts to it, but playing the drums employs. A group of people that their livelihood is what you it's, do
1: that's weird to think about too
2: that's it you're a corporation yeah not to say it in the negative context but i mean people survive off of you yeah you know you may not that's have kids but you are thing. supporting kids at the same time doing what you yeah. do it's just insane i just have to say it because it's it's something you know i'm seeing in my guys like there's a 20 person crew it's like what All of a sudden, you know, it's
1: really, it's crazy. And that's their life. And and it's hard. I do. That does hit me sometimes, but it can be hard to always think that because, you know, our crew, our dudes we've known for a long time and our friends with and have been with us for a long time. So it's just a bunch of friends. But yeah, yeah, ultimately, I guess it's like this business.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And they're learning a trade, basically, at the same time as you guys are learning how to keep it going. Mm -hmm. They're learning how to rig and all this other stuff it's just intense yeah it's really i don't think people realize how much work goes into that and to do that every day i mean shit i mean (laughs) people look at warp tour like how do they build this every day this is insane you know do you guys have a i know some people have like an a and b crew that 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 are an advanced crew that goes to the next town and sets up but you guys do it every day yeah just all roll in all roll out
1: that i feel like a and b crew is like u2 level
2: yeah, or Bruce Springsteen yeah. or whatever, an advanced, you know, I think maybe he did like what, three we'll shows on one day. But yeah. Maybe you will. <laughs> maybe you will. It's entirely possible, you know? That's and crazy. Well, I want to touch too on you've got Oracle down here on the yep. South Waterfront in Portland. Um, I literally, I've been at this office for a year now, and I had heard about it through Minardi. That's what it took me to hear Dang. about him, but I want to make sure people know about him. I didn't know he knew all that. I don't know. I, yeah, I've been talking to yeah, him for He was in time. Portland. He's got a coffee shop there, and I was like, "What? It's crazy." Yeah, I think he thought you lived out in the Milwaukee area or whatever. But the um, something about a Cribs episode or something was was
1: that was in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin.
2: okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, oh, I was thinking Milwaukee, yeah. Oregon. That's why I thought you'd been here. When longer. I was
1: moving here, I was like, maybe I should move to Milwaukee, Oregon. yes yeah. That would just be perfect but
2: whatever <laughs> well in and touching back on on your mom mm-hmm. uh, she's she's still with us right yep okay what does she think of all this oh she when you go home like is she just the proudest woman in the oh, world yeah. i mean absolutely there's nothing she better she always than has
1: that, newspaper man. clippings and and I'm always like thanks so much and then like i don't want that yeah exactly gonna, i don't want to read about but myself but she'll still do it but right but she yeah she still calls me about some tv thing <laughs> Usually mad that I didn't tell her we're doing it. Yeah. So now I have to make sure, like, to give her the next three months, <laughs> so I don't forget. Because yeah, you know, yeah. Oh beware my God. if I miss telling her we're playing some
2: TV thing. Sure. Something. You go but home yeah, for the holidays she's, she's and there's so proud a dossier and... of information. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I was there. I get it. Yep. <laughs> Man, that's fantastic. It's cool. Though. Well, and and getting involved with Southern Lord. I wanted to know oh, how yeah. you got involved with Greg and, and Southern Lord. Greg's um, awesome. Yeah, did you did you guys have known each other for a while? Then
1: uh, I've known him for a few years. Okay, I did a, a band Enabler. I played drums on a record okay. and toured a little bit on a Southern Lord tour with Black Breath, The Secret, god, that and band Burning is Love. Awesome. Black Breath is amazing. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, they're one of the best. Yeah, um, and Burning Love, which is how I met Chris uh-huh. initially, um, and yeah, we did a. Uh, Enabler, the record I did with them, put the record out on Southern Lord, and Mm -hmm. Greg was just... I didn't even... He didn't even ask if I could sign a contract or not. He just didn't have me sign it.
2: Oh, because of your your obligations to uh, Island?
1: Yeah, which is unheard of. Like, Greg is a dude who puts out records that he loves and that he likes, that he's into. He doesn't do it because he's trying to like make money he he just runs a label where i mean that's that's why i think i love southern lord so much is because you look at labels and i like 90 percent of the bands maybe more on southern lord yeah so of course i want to put out a record on that label sure and then with sect we we came to him and he was instantly stoked Mm -hmm. and same thing had the other guys sign the one record contract I think I don't even know what it was, but didn't even. Yeah. Like Scott was just like, yeah, I was on the contract. I was like, D- do I, did I need to do anything? He's like, no, he said, you
2: don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Don't even and worry about so, the red tape. It's so rad. Man. That's incredible, dude. You've got yeah. such an amazing story and position, but to be so down to earth and just, you. you know, I, I really, I value these conversations a lot. Thank when you, they're man. when they're like this because I I, I love it. meeting people that are genuine and doing something, you know, for a reason and and uh, really stoked to, to have you on the show, man. I Thank appreciate you. the Thank time. Thank you so much. Yeah. But uh, it, so what else is going on? You've got you've got the Fall Boy shows coming up. Mm-hmm. Probably not a ton of sex stuff.
1: Uh, I think we're trying to do once a month. Okay. So Fall Boys is doing a lot of international. Yeah. Um probably up until like May of next year. Okay. But I think we have little breaks between the different areas okay. internationally that sect will do weekends okay here and there when we can okay um there'll probably be some race trader stuff too because awesome that band's still active Excellent. Like, or active again
2: that is um, a, also a ferocious band yeah, oh you. my god I love that sound um so the sect record is out on southern lord now yep and uh, mania is coming out in january
1: january 19th i think january
2: 19th something like that okay right on andrew Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show, man. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Definitely. Awesome. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Andrew Hurley from Fallout Boy and from Sect. I had a great time chatting with him. What a fascinating dude and so genuine. Just a really, really unique guy with a passion for so many things and just a fun conversation. I mean, him and I, we've met maybe a couple times through the years on tours and stuff like that. Like, hey, how you doing at a lunch or catering or whatever. But to not have met each other and been friends and things like that to be able to sit down and have a just a a nice conversation you know uh, it was just great and that's the thing I love about this show is the conversational piece and you know meeting people talking to people you know I love to talk as you can tell but you know just a good time all around and and had a blast with Andrew and and uh what a great coffee house he's got and you know just just all over the place so if for some reason you've been living under incredibly deep rock in the ground and do not know who he is check out fallout boy check out sect the new album is out on southern lord it is amazing and the new fallout boy records coming out i mean there's just stuff happening everywhere and uh you know you can definitely find him on tour here in the coming coming months after the holiday um and he's gonna be all over the place so we are on purepleasurepodcast.com instagram twitter Hit up the Patreon, patreon.com slash pure pleasure podcast, and sign up for the Pleasure Seekers Club. Get some of that merch. And we've got rockabilia.com on board. Check out rockabilia.com. Head over to Stumptown Coffee Roasters. Head over to Oracle, actually, as well, and check out Andy's uh, shop. It's, it's fantastic on the waterfront. Stumptown's got a few new locations, and they are our newest sponsor of the show, and we really appreciate having them on board. Absolutely stoked for that and keeping the staff caffeinated and keeping those late nights rolling. So we are so glad to have you guys week after week. We got more awesome stuff coming up in the coming weeks. We will not miss a beat. And we've got a special surprise for the Christmas episode. We've got some cool stuff for the New Year's episode. We've got stuff coming up left and right. So keep listening, keep supporting the show, keep spreading the word. And as always, we'll see you on the radio.